So Money, episode 840, Melissa Leong, author of Happy Go Money. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Money is just a tool to, tr- to try to be happy with your life. I need to figure out that part, the happiness part. Otherwise, the, you know, all of this chasing, all of this working, all of this accumulation of money and wealth, I don't know what it's for. I have to figure out what it's for. Welcome back to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Many people have studied the connection between money and happiness. A recent Purdue University study revealed that people making $200,000 are no happier than people earning $95,000 a year. So what should we make of this information? Why is it important? Today's guest is going to try to help us figure some of this out. Melissa Leong is on the show today. She's a personal finance expert, writer, television personality, speaker, and best-selling author. Her book, Happy Go Money, hit shelves earlier in January this year. The book aims to teach people how to derive the most happiness from their money. Melissa digs into psychology, personal finance, and her own personal story to offer practical, easy-to-understand advice. Melissa is very honest as we'll hear about her own personal struggles from her decision to quit her job as a journalist to watching her husband battle extreme depression and how her firm grip on money helped her to overcome those obstacles and achieve happiness. Very happy to welcome her on the show today. Here we go. Here's Melissa Leong. Melissa Leon, welcome to So Money. Congratulations on your book coming out tomorrow, Happy Go Money. Love the title. Congrats. Thank you so much. So excited to be on the show and it's so excited for the book to come out. <laughs> and um, you also have a baby on the way. So you're giving I do. Birth, you're giving birth <laughs> to two big things. Yes, book baby comes out tomorrow and then uh, real baby comes in February. Oh my gosh. So a lot going on. A lot going on. A lot on. going on. <laughs> a lot's going on in your life. As you've documented, yeah, <laughs> as you've documented in your book, and so let's start there because um, you start the book with three scenarios, three kind of pivotal moments in your life that helped to formulate your perspective on money and happiness, and we'll te- we'll talk about that as well. But going back in time, you identify three kind of uh, events, and all of them symbolized by. Um, something. One is dumplings, one is spinach <laughs> cake, and the other is the psych ward. I'd love to touch on all of these because I think they each tell a really important story about your life and what you've learned about money along the way. Take us back to the dumplings moment. Yes, absolutely. I uh, I was working as a crime reporter at a national newspaper in Canada at the time, and I hated that job. I hated it so much. And so I actually fled the country as far away as you could get from uh, the crime beat is, is I went to study Mandarin in Taiwan. I didn't know anyone there. I just I just had to get away. And so while I was there, I didn't I had some savings, but it was tied up, you know, it was, it was tied up in my retirement. It was tied up in, um, 
in a uh, a condo that I had bought pre-construction. And so I didn't actually have a lot of cash, <laughs> but I had a monthly uh, stipend from the university and I literally was living off dollars a day when I was in Taiwan for that time. And uh, I lived in this, this night market where my roommates were cockroaches. Uh, and <laughs> it was super nasty because you would go to sleep at night, but you'd hear them because they were just, mm. they're so, they occupy a space. They're, they're, they're crunchy and they're, they're just, it's super great. I would not recommend you sharing space. But you got with comfortable with that event. You just, you just lived with that. You were like, whatever. Well, there's nowhere else to live. You know, we just, you gotta do what you gotta do. And so, uh, it was a very small space and I didn't have any, I didn't have anything. I lived out of a suitcase. I think I wore like three rotating outfits and people, when I tell that story, it sounds gross. Cause I'm talking about cockroaches and talking about living out of a suitcase and living off of dollars. But you know, honestly, it was one of the happiest times of my life. Just I, every day I was so ecstatic. I had, and the reason why I use dumplings as my example is the symbol of that time is I ate dumplings every day. <laughs> they were, you know, like dumplings and a and a and a glass of soybean milk was about a dollar. And so, I was. Uh, I learned that um, I didn't need very much to be tremendously fulfilled during that time. I just focused on my relationships with people and just living in the moment. And there are studies that show that you are happiest when you are in the moment. And you also weren't at that job that you hated so much. Yes. So there was that. There was, you know, what I was, finding, <laughs> what I was finding fulfilling every day was just focusing on my studies, focusing on me. Um, and yeah, and I think that's a big part of it too, obviously, is you're not stressed by the fact that you have bills to pay and this kind of thing. You just try to live within your means and, and live as simply as possible. It was, uh, it was a lovely time. <laughs> was, well, I take a lot of weight though, I think, eating I think, dumplings. But <laughs> I think what I'm what I'm learning from your stories, and we'll get to this next one that involves spinach cake, is that you're finding happiness in places that you wouldn't expect to find, and that there is a money lesson, right? That's with the dumplings. It was you were living poorly, uh, in, in you know, however you want to call it, but yet you were happy. And so, what was it about that? you know, that time in your life and what you were experiencing, despite your finances that that made you happy. Spinach cake, scenario number two, this also was an unlikely place to find happiness as I think, um, or rather unexpected, you know, because you wanted to go back to work after having your first kid and you went back and you surprised yourself by quitting. And, and so take us back to that moment and um, what it meant for you. Right. And so I think, to to your point where we were talking about what makes us happy in terms of money, I think we all think that stuff and a certain amount of money will make us happy and we live our lives that way. And I think the lesson there was there are there's research that shows, I think, you know, I think there's American research that shows that the magic number is last year, Purdue University said the number was, I think, $90,000 US per single family household. That's how much you need to make. And anything beyond that, actually, your happiness starts to decrease. Uh, but I think the, the, the lesson is that you need a certain amount, obviously, to cover your needs, to eat. You need a roof over your head. You need to not worry about uh, your debts and, and uh, you know, bills that are, are, are chasing you. But then after that, the focus really is on 
not just acquiring more stuff. It's just, you know, finding, uh, finding other things that are more fulfilling. And that's basically what my book is about. And so I've always operated under that circle, under that thought that, well, work is what makes me happy. Work is what gives me value and meaning. And when I was starting to do research for this book, I found that, uh, people who value time over money, they're happier people. Mm-hmm. They, uh, it, and if you normally value money over time, you, if you start to value time over money, you actually do experience it in a boost in your joy. And so when I was finishing my mat leave, I had the option obviously of, of coming back full time, part time. And, and my editor was very uh, supportive. She had no idea I was going to quit. She and no one in my family or anyone who knows me, they, they, I'm ambitious. I'm a workaholic. I sleep under my desk and I just quit. I, I gave up my $70,000 salary and, uh, I had an $8,000 maternity leave top up that I had to pay back because I didn't go back. Uh, but I had planned for it. So I had not spent the, the $8,000 just in case I wanted to quit. And, I thought I'm going to buy this time with my son. I'm going to buy 2,610 more hours a year with my son. Um, and I have not regretted it. And so I can stay home and make him spinach cake. Everybody else regrets that I make spinach cake, but I <laughs> have time now to bake him healthy things. Tell me a little bit about the reacclimation from being at home um, for so long, you know, in America, there is a, what they call sort of the, um, the opt out penalty for moms and dads too. Right. Yes. For when, for men, it's actually worse um, because there's a stigma around fathers being at home and not working that you're just like sitting around doing nothing and you know, you've been lazy or something. I don't know. It's, it's pretty terrible. But there is a there is a price that women and men pay for being out of the workforce. So was that your situation in Canada? And where in Canada? Sometimes I say like Canada is a really big country. I'm in Toronto. To, it's basically like New York. Toronto. Without all okay, the stuff. so basically in <laughs> New York. I'm in the less, I'm in the less cool New York up (laughs) up here. Um, No, I'm based in Toronto, but there are statistics across Canada that show that if you take time away from work, women who've taken at least three years away to be with their children at home, they make a large percentage less in terms of hourly wages than women who did not leave. And so I was, I mean, I write about money. I'm fully cognizant of the fact that I take what they call it, you know, the, um, a mother's penalty or the parental penalty to my career, to my earning power. Uh, but, you know, if money is just a tool to, tr- to try to be happy with your life and I need to, as my book is, is uh, tries to explain, is that I, I need to figure out that part, the happiness part. Otherwise, the you know, all of this chasing, all of this working, all of this accumulation of money and wealth, I don't know what it's for. I have to figure out what it's for. And so if it's to buy time with my family, that's what I'm doing. I can tell that your family is very important to you. And particularly with this next story, right? The psych ward is the third scene in where you talk about this link between happiness and money in your book. And it has to do with your husband's illness. He's 
okay now, I'm happy to hear he's recovered. But take us back to that really, again, an unexpected twist in your life. Yeah, I had just, we had just gotten married. And I, I mean, I permadated this man. You know, he, <laughs> it's not like I just met him. We dated for 10 years before we actually got married. But uh, in the months following our wedding, he was going on a guy's trip and he took some sleeping pills and he'd never taken you know, he's not a medicine person. He doesn't even take, you know, pain medication. And he had a terrible reaction to it. Uh, it resulted in uh, anxiety, debilitating depression, suicidal ideation, and, and he was eventually hospitalized. And this was very, I mean, we just moved into our new house and we were talking about trying to have a child. And that is not <laughs> what I thought life was going to be like. And so I made it my mission during that time I couldn't do anything for him. He was between the two of us. He's the happy one. Actually, he's the one that can make you laugh till you cry. He's all about the practical jokes. And I just thought, well, if you can't be happy, I'm going to try to be happy for both of us. And so I just did everything I could to just be happy and to try to uh, lead by example and to try to help him. Um, I tried everything like anti-inflammatory mood boosting diets. I tried, uh, we went to spiritual retreats. I went to Buddhist temples. I listened to podcasts from monks and resilience gurus and everything I could learn about positive psychology, which has actually turned into my book. Happy go money is a combination of everything I learned about being happy and everything that I know working as a personal finance writer in the day uh, for a, a financial newspaper. And so, uh, my biggest lesson from that time was, well, money, more money in that situation would not have made anything better. I mean, my husband would not have, uh, been, it, it would not have made his recovery faster, but if my money situation had been in disorder, it would have made that time so much more disastrous hmm. because my husband had, my husband and I, we had set everything up properly. I mean, when we got married, we said, we're not going into debt. So we're not going to go on a honeymoon. We, uh, we bought the house in the boonies. I don't even really live in Toronto. I live just outside of Toronto because we thought, you know, we're going to buy this sliver of a townhouse with three floors. I mean, it's going to be buns of steel going upstairs every single day. <laughs> uh, but we're going to do it because we can afford it on one income because I thought maybe one of us would stay home one day. So we did that and I got disability insurance in case one of us could not work. And then we pooled all of our emergency savings just in case, which turned out, hey, we had money in case he needed to go to a treatment center and they started $10,000. So hmm, we yeah. had a lot of stuff in order. So we didn't worry about debt. We didn't worry about losing our home. And we had um, protection in place. And that's the biggest thing. You never know what's going to happen in life. And I know we don't, it doesn't make us happy to try to plan our lives based on the worst case scenario. But um, in that situation, it, it really made the, big, the biggest difference. So what I'm hearing from you, and I completely believe all of what you're saying to be true, that money and happiness are connected, not necessarily in the way we think, um, there is a limit to what money can really afford you. You're a big proponent of valuing time. And so if you're looking at your life as this layered, this layered thing, right, where money is one layer and that's going to help to support you in life, 
and time is another, having time is another support mm-hmm. system. What are some other things, at least in your own personal life, that you feel if there's a hierarchy or a layering imp- effect going on in your life, like you've got the money, you've got the insurances, you've got the, you've got time, you've got your health. What are some right. other things that, um, you know, create this fulfilling, rich life? There's an expression, right, that, oh, those people are so poor, all they have is money. So how to not be that that person, right? That all you just have is money. What are those other things that you think we should have? So some of the things that we've already touched on, just to to reiterate, was having that protection in place. So once you have your, this is where we're talking about emergency fund and and insurances and and any kind of, um, uh, and not having high interest debt, that's a part of it because that becomes this burden when you run into problems. So once you have that peace, that's, it's, it gives you a tremendous state of mind, uh, or peace of mind. I, I mean, when, when things can come that might ruin your happiness, the other things that, that and I'm not basing this on where, I mean, it's not a, if it was a, you know, it's a, sometimes I, when I talk about it, I think people think, oh, well, oh it's a Deepak Chopra blog post that I'm reading. And <laughs> everything that I'm saying is actually also based in science. And so, uh, I mean, I am a journalist I, I, by nature. So I need, I need the proof. I want to see the, the actual numbers that support this. And so, yes, valuing time over money, according to research has shown that that makes people happier, something else that makes people happier. And in my life, I try to do is experiences. So I try to spend as, as, as least money as possible on stuff and then more, more money on experiences that gives you greater bang for your buck. It uh, increases in value over time and it connects you with people. Whereas material goods are often enjoyed alone. So my son, I asked him three days ago what he wanted from Santa. And he said, I don't want toys. Mommy, I have enough toys. And I thought, oh, you are my son. (laughs) It's amazing. And so we talked about the things that he wanted to do. And he wanted to play with his friends. And he wanted to have these people over. So we're going to spend the bulk of our holiday budget on hosting so that I can have people over and so that we could be together. I send out an email at the beginning of the year that says, Hey guys, no gifts, no gifts for me, no gifts for my son. We don't need stuff. I just want to see you. Uh, and that's, I, I'm a big proponent of trying to figure out what you value in life and then allocating your resources to that. And so I'm just going to spend my money on hanging out with people. So let's go for a holiday brunch. We don't have to buy each other bath bombs that we're never going to use. Right. Right. And so there's, there's that, uh, there's that portion. There's also a portion about sort of spreading out your happiness. So spending your money on things that you can anticipate. We're actually happier before vacation than we are after the vacation, as uh, according to science. And so, you know, uh, putting money towards things that you can pay for now and maybe enjoy later. So I do a lot of uh, uh, planning events for our friends that we will look forward to. All, my friends and I were all into escape games all of a sudden. And so every month we'll do oh, a new I've yet to go to an room. escape room. I'm, I'm really afraid to do that. I feel like I'm going to just never leave. I, I'll panic. No, there's cool ones. There's now there's just escape experiences where you're just going through an entire adventure and you feel like you're Indiana Jones or something. I highly recommend you should try it for news. Do it. Okay. So, and that's the other thing too, experiences, spending money on experiences with people, especially unique ones like escape rooms. It's like I'm writing an ad for an escape room, but it actually bonds you and relationships. That is what actually boosts your happiness in the long term, having really good relationships. So yeah, put your money, put your money there. 
That's really smart. Where, what's your upbringing, Melissa? Do, do you feel like you grew up with a pretty healthy money mindset or experiences? Or do you feel like you had to correct a lot of the things that you learned? You had to unlearn some things as a lot of us had been on this show. I am unlearning some things. My husband is a big, he's the opposite of me. And so a lot of what I've been unlearning is due to the fact that I'm with him now. My parents, they're, I mean, my my parents are immigrants, they're first generation immigrants. They they came, we ran one of the oldest Chinese restaurants in a city called Winnipeg, which is one of the coldest places in the planet. I don't know why they would move there <laughs> to start. But um uh and so the mindset is you hustle, you work, you work every weekend, every holiday, and you know, you are frugal to like you are frugal. So there, you know, I will stand in line for 20 minutes to get a free popsicle and my husband will walk by and think, what the heck are you doing? And I think it's a free popsicle. It's free. <laughs> and he says, Hey, put a value on your time, right. which is something that I, I definitely learned. Um, <laughs> I think it's an immigrant age. mentality. Your parents were immigrants. Yes. Yeah. So, so- my, my parents are very good with money and they've done well with money, but there is an aspect of, especially my mom, I think like, like to your point, like if, you know, I, I'll let's say, for example, I might buy something from a store and I, I buy it online and it comes and it's not my size or it, I don't know, for some reason I'm like, I don't like it. Sometimes I have to pay money to return it. And so the, I, I like basically put it off, right? There's like this box sitting in my house that I have to return. And my mother will see that and she'll like get really concerned. She's like, why haven't you returned this yet? This is like money needs to go back in your bank. I'm like, it's $38, but then I have to pay shipping. I may as well just go to the store. But then at that point, like I have to like, it's my time. And so I think I'm just going to donate it or like give it away because like that $38 minus shipping plus the time it's, it's annoying and I should be better at ordering things online and get the things that I, that will actually be a fit. But (laughs) My mother won't be able to sleep that night knowing that there's like a $25 something in my house oh, that isn't claimed. My mom is exactly like that. There is a $5 box of mushy raspberries on my counter right now that I'm too lazy to return. And my mom is just, she's just, you know, it's $5. Go get your $5. I thought, mom, I got to drive there. <laughs> I have a toddler. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but I also appreciate it too. You know, like I, I know where, I know that she's right and I'm wrong, but, but also, I don't know. It's a good debate. It's a good debate. I think that for everyone you, has their price. She's right. And you're wrong. You I don't think, think? okay. Different. I mean, makes me feel bad about myself all the time. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a mom's job, right? That's a mom's <laughs> job, right? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's I, a book about this coming I, in 2020, everybody. It's called well, I haven't had a title yet, but I think I'm going to write a memoir about my mom. That would be amazing. I mean, we've all got a mom book in us. Let's just put, let's yeah, just say that. For sure. Um, all right. It is a new year and uh, your book comes out tomorrow. You have a lot on your plate with a new, your family growing, your book coming out. When it comes to your money, Melissa, this year, uh, our sponsor, Chase Slate, and I would like to know what is your financial resolution? My financial resolution is to remember the lessons that I have learned in my life in terms of what will actually fulfill me. And so sometimes I chase, um, I will chase 
work. Uh, I will get opportunities and I will want to say yes because I want to make more money. But it makes my home life mad. Mm-hmm. You know, it just because then I'm I'm trying to work. My husband's self-employed too. And so he has to take time away from his work and there's that balance. And and then we have to, you know, there's then there's nobody around to um make sure that my toddler is not tearing things up because <laughs> when uh he doesn't get a lot of attention, he uh takes it out on the stuff in our house or the, just the property, it's property damage basically, uh, at, at, at our place. And so I just have to be mindful of the fact that it's not all about money. Um, I should take the big jobs versus try to take every little job that's offered to me and be smarter with my choices. Let me tell you, toddlers are incredibly destructive. <laughs> and in a short period of time, I, I don't understand. Like I, I just I, blinked. Well, well, I, I looked away for 30 seconds and how did this happen? Your whole living room is upside down. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's a, it's a special talent. But <laughs> I mean, I've gotten to the point where it's really stretched my patience level because I, I'm a neat freak and I can't have my house oh, clean God. all the time. Oh, it just no. can't happen. So I have to really... Oh, my- yeah, my favorite is the uh, when I I folded all the laundry and I turn around to like get the basket to put it in, and he has decided to throw it like confetti. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't ever leave your wallet around either. My daughter will go for it, which I think that's oh. she, that she gets from me. That she gets. From She's me. your daughter. That's adorable. Um, what would you say was your biggest money failure, Melissa, to date? That's a great question. You know what? I'm somebody who has avoided uh, debt. So I don't have one of those stories where I I went crazy with a credit card or money failures. I wouldn't call this a failure because I think every, a lot of people are in the same boat and you have to start from somewhere. But one of the things that I regret is I regret not taking it upon myself to learn about my finances when I was younger. Because I look back at that and I think, oh my gosh, there's so much missed opportunity there. You know, if I had only started putting my money away or investing it earlier, I'd have to do less work right now. Um, right. But I mean, back in the day, you know, you make the choices that you do when you're in your 20s. Like, I, I didn't know any better. I just, I, I didn't know anything about savings. So that was, that's my only regret. I don't know if it's a failure, but yeah, that would be that my thing to listen yeah. Yeah. I would, I would just say that to listeners that, you know, if there's something that you don't know that you feel insecure about, you know, if you've always wanted to learn about, uh, the stock market and just sort of feel apprehensive about it, just do it, do it now. Don't wait. Yeah. A lesson learned. Um, let's do some, so many fill in the blanks, shall we? Oh, okay. Fun. <laughs> so this is when I start a sentence and then you finish it. First thing that comes to mind. So if I Got want it. The- nothing, nothing profane, right? Well, I mean, I can always add a little E at the end of this episode for explicit. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Um, it's happened. It's I, I prepare for everything on this show. Okay. Okay. All right. If I, I want, have, to- I have I'm a toddler. I have a toddler. I could, <laughs> I should be able to control myself. I'm in the same boat. Okay. If I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is nothing. Yeah. I, like <laughs> no, I really like that it's answer. Not- I'm sorry. That's hilarious. That is so boring. Most boring answer ever. Um, Well, the truth is 
people write into me sometimes, Melissa, and they they say things like, I just got an inheritance. It's not a million dollars, but it's a lot of money. It could be like six figures and they don't know what to do with it. So what should I do? And, and my answer is do nothing. If you don't pause. know what to do. Yes, pause and pause, think about it. Right. <laughs> I would out. do nothing because I wouldn't want to make any rash decisions. And uh, I know myself and I know I'm human and I would get excited and I, I, I would do nothing for yeah, a while. I hear that. All right. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Um, food delivery services. Yeah. So in America, and I'm sure in Toronto as well, at least in New York, I should say, I don't know if it's all of America, but in many metropolitan areas, we have like things like Seamless and you know, Instacart and all these, you know, it's like the Uber for fill in the blank. Yeah. Just like shows up wherever you are. And that I think has been a big, a big, um, hindrance on our, on our finances, to be honest, because what's worse than something that is just absolutely beyond convenient, (laughs) right. To, To get you to spend money, like, um, getting stuff delivered to your house. It's, it's, yes, no, absolutely. I think you can abuse that. And that's a problem, especially, and that's not good for your, your, your healthy eating, uh, you know, goals as well. I totally agree. I was thinking of groceries actually. Um, yeah, you can get that delivered too, for sure. Oh, you know what? Yeah. I support that. And so the weeks that I've, in the weeks that I've been really busy. So last week I had, I did a media tour across Canada where I was traveling a lot and I was worried that my son and my husband would just starve, you know, (laughs) because I, I, you know, that's your mom's, the the mom's job is to think, what are you going to do? What will you eat? Will you just eat pizza every day? And so I, rather than try to run around and, and get groceries every single time I flew into the city, I just had it delivered. I think it was, you know, five bucks extra and I don't get to choose what's on sale. But in that moment, it saved me time and stress. So worth it. Love it. All right. When I was growing up, the one thing I wish I had learned about money is. Put some away for later, but enjoy spending some now. Mm hmm. Because I was the opposite. Most people just spent it all. But because I came from an extremely frugal family, I I actually felt felt pain to 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 spend money. And so I was really, really, really cheap. Uh, and I did a lot of things to try to save money that caused me a lot of pain. <laughs> so I think I have for me, I wish I have I wish I was I, I I wish someone had told me, Melissa, you've put money you've put money away. You can spend some of it. So save some of it, mm-hmm. spend some of it. That's so important that even today, I think we forget, we forget that we talk so much about saving, but what is your money for if you don't invest it in and enjoy it? Right. Um, right. And, 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 and I mean, invested in, in things that are, are, are meaningful right. to you, you know, don't just blow it on mindlessness and, um, uh, maybe things that are not planned. I, I actually plan money for fun. So I have a, a spending account and if there's money in the spending account. I should spend it. I will spend it. Mm-hmm. I'm not as good as my husband in spending my spending account, but, um, I, it's a practice that I've been trying to do. It makes the, it, ma- it takes the guilt out of spending, which is quite nice. Yes. Yes. Okay. How about this? When I donate, I like to give to blank because <laughs> I like to give to specific charities of my choice because 
uh, I have decided that these are the charities that are most meaningful to me. Uh, these are values that I think are important. And when I automate my giving to these specific charities, I feel uh, I feel more empowered and I feel good because I'm doing it deliberately rather than, you know, somebody coming up to me on Facebook and saying, hey, I'm doing a charity job. We give you some money. I could say, no, actually, I'm supporting my charities of choices already. Thank you. You know that this time, like, well, so it's January now. We just kind of went through a big uh, time of the year where you're right. Like there's a lot of charities coming at you. And my biggest issue with all these people asking you for money is that um, it's hard because, you know, it's very subjective, right? Like, oh, well, I you know, and no one's going to really understand why you don't want to donate to their charity. Like, how can you not care about, you know, this cause, this charity <laughs> helping children or like someone else is supporting, um, you know, a fundraiser for a medical, you know, uh for an illness, it's like, you, I start to feel like a bad person around. The I know, but are you sure? Are you sure they're really thinking that? Or is it you're feeling some guilt because you've not sort of come to terms with it yourself? Oh, Melissa, this has been quite the therapy for me. This episode. <laughs> no, the, I just mean, you know, when you think about, I'm like, oh, I, I totally agree. I think before in previous years, I felt really aimless with my giving and I would just kind of give as needed. And if there, but I've actually started, you know, because when writing this book, I, I found that, you know, whether you're rich, whether you're poor worldwide surveys and research show that you feel more satisfied with life and you feel richer when you donate to charity. And so I thought, well, that's a big part of my happiness. I need to be more deliberate with it. Right. And so rather than trying to have this pool of money that I think I'm going to give or not give, um, I basically earmark how much I want to donate every year. I pick, mm -hmm. you know, charities of choice that I, I want to support and I save, you know, I may allocate 60% of my budget to that. I'll save another, whatever, like 20% or 25% for, you know, my community, my church or whatever it is it, it, that you want to support that's local and then save the rest for who knows, right? Like natural disasters or um, your friends coming up to you in the office with their daughters doing a cookie drive, whatever it is. And so I have all my bases covered. I feel a little less guilty because I know I'm doing what's what's important to me. I need to hang out with you a little bit more. I think uh, I'm pondering, Let's hang out. I'm pondering <laughs> a little too much emotionally when it comes to trying to meet other people's financial expectations. No, that's, I think that's, that's totally natural. I think yeah. we're all, I mean, money is all about emotion and, and everybody, you know, it's not just about dollars and cents, you know, mm. so I agree. All right. And last but not least, I'm Melissa Leong. I'm so money because. I'm so money because I am trying to use my money to buy happiness in a smarter way in a smarter way. I love it. It was such a great book for the new year, a refreshing take on your finances, your happiness. Congratulations. And we didn't even touch on, you know, all the other stuff that you have going on in your life. You're, you're a novelist outside of this, right? For fun. Yes. For fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But for, still like that's work. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was just one of those things that I, uh, I self published a, a, a teen vampire series and I didn't think it would, I didn't have any expectations for it, but it sold, you know, 70,000 copies around the world. And, and, uh, I probably should get back to it, but there are a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on, you know, just a few so. things, 
But yeah. no doubt, um, you will get it all done and then some. And we look forward to following you in the new year. Don't be a stranger. Come back and maybe co-host and ask for our new session with me because you're a nice yin to my yin to my yang, you know. <laughs> oh, I would love to. I would absolutely love to. Thank you so much, Melissa, and happy new year to you and your growing family. Thank you. Happy new year to you and all the listeners. You can learn more about Melissa at melissaleong.com and on Twitter at Melissa Leong. Her book is again called Happy Go Money. It's on shelves now. If you missed any of this, just hop over to somoneypodcast.com. You can download the transcript as well as share this audio with friends and family and join us over on the newsletter. Why don't you? I'm enjoying emailing all of you once or twice a month. Nothing crazy, but it's a great way to keep in touch, learn what's new, get some behind the scenes, sometimes some exclusive access to information, materials, events. Would love for you to subscribe over at somoneypodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. Money.